Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got Catherine Clark with me again. Now, Catherine, you've been doing some work on soft skills recently. Yeah, hi, Kevin. Yeah, nice to be back on the podcast with you. Um, Yes, I have, because I just believe that soft skills are are highly important to to being a leader. Um, They're the qualities that really sort of really make that leadership successful, in, in my opinion. So, yes, I believe it's a really important area we're discussing this morning. So soft skills, that sounds like a very, very broad area. What would what would you say soft skills are? Yeah, so I mean soft skills are um they're the human skills really. The, the human skills that we use in you know teamwork, leadership, collaboration, communication, creativity, um, and just in dealing with people. Um, so soft skills are the the, the the part that aren't hard skills. Um, and are sometimes known as the sort of emotionally intelligent skills that a person has, uh, particularly in dealing with people. Emotionally intelligent. That sounds like a tough one for me. I've got to become emotionally intelligent. Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, that, that's how we tune in to the emotional side of us, <laughs> us as humans. <laughs> so, where, where do we start in, in trying to learn more about soft skills, Catherine? This, this sounds like a, you can't just pick up a book and read about it. It sounds like it's a more complicated process than that. Well, I would say if, if they don't come naturally, and to many people, they do come quite naturally. Um, however, you can either enhance what you have naturally or, or learn soft skills. Um, but it is something that needs to be learned if they don't come to you naturally. Um, the reason I say that is there is some evidence to suggest that 80% of your achievement in your career will be down to your soft skills, not your hard skills. Mm, yeah, I, I definitely get that. Yeah. So our yeah. hard skills we learn, you know, particularly as accountants, we've learned it through all of our qualifications and, you know, the, the technical ability that we have. And that is seen as a given, really, in, in many of the roles that we you know, take on as we get more senior. Um, it's the soft skills that become the sort of binding part, you know, taking those more hard and technical skills into the real world and mm. dealing with people and actually becoming a leader. This is about persuading people. It's about getting people to follow you getting people enthused about things and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's the hard skills, great. But as a CFO, find the stuff you learned to become an accountant, to, to get to where you are. There's an awful lot of stuff these days that's technical and you can learn how to do it by a, a decent amount of time spent on Google or reading a book. But yeah, taking that practical knowledge and turning it into something you can you can take a team with you and I always say the biggest part of change is about people and changing people's opinions and communicating and so on. So I guess soft skills, a large amount of it comes down to how you communicate and what you communicate. Yes, and I think it starts with the point that you can have a lot of knowledge, but unless you can articulate that knowledge, you know, in a, in a very clear sort of form, um, it doesn't have as much impact. Um, 
So yes, I mean, communication is, is one of the key ones. Um, and the reason communication, well, certainly in my opinion, is probably the most important one is, you know, we're, we're now in a world, you know, not just currently, but more generally, I guess, where there's a lot happening. You know, one of the key problems that people come across or feel is, is overwhelmed at the moment. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, you need that clarity to come through. And you, you either as a leader or in receiving it need to have that clarity. And that comes a lot from clear communication. And so enabling that sort of transparency in the environment, you know, sort of sharing the bigger picture, sharing the purpose, um, sharing the vision of an organization and making it clear where everyone plays their part. So that for me is, is the beginning part of communication. Um, it's how you actually enable people to see what they've got to do to contribute in their organization. Um, it then goes beyond that, um, because as a leader, your gravitas or your presence and how you show up is what people can take comfort from. So, you know, particularly, yep. let's be honest, particularly as a CFO, you're the one looking after the business or the financial side of the business. Um, how you show up and how you present yourself is going to show people how safe the company is and therefore how safe they can feel within it. Yeah, and I'm thinking back to a podcast we did three or four weeks ago with Patrick Dunn, and we were talking a lot in there about the CFO and his role with the board. And the CFO has to be the guy that, that shows up and gives the other board members an awful lot of confidence in what is going on. He plays a, a very, or, or he or she plays a very key role between the board and the CEO, and giving, giving that, that kind of grounding, that kind of reality, practicality, you know, and he's got to show up and be the, the CFO has got to be the best version of the CFO when showing up. Absolutely vital. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I did a workshop the other week on soft skills and, you know, I was asking people what qualities they admire the most in others. Um, and this fits into that. But one of the key things that came through was a leader or a CFO looking calm and in control. Mm -hmm. They were sort of really the words that were used. Um, mm -hmm. And particularly when you're dealing with a crisis or, or with change more generally, and let's be honest, um, <laughs> change is the only constant, um, yeah. then those two factors are, are vital. And, and, you know, because your body language actually is the primary form of communication, you know, it's 55% of how you communicate comes through in body language. Yeah. Words are only seven percent, and tone and tone of voice is, is the middle part. I think it's thirty eight percent. But you've got to be able to communicate through your body language as much as through your words. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that that business change piece. And as a as a management consultant with my other hat on, I get involved in a lot of business change projects, and I always think that 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 90% of change does come down to communication. And we often say, you communicate, you communicate again. When you think you've communicated enough, you haven't, communicate again. Use every possible channel you can to communicate. Um, and 
most of all, make sure that you're telling it right from the top of the organization. So you'd want the CEO, the CFO, the head of department, whatever, whoever the, the bigwig is to be telling people that this change is right, this change is going to happen, this is why it's going to happen, this is where we're going. And if you don't have that focus from the top of the organisation, people don't buy in. No, they, they don't. And, um, and, I, and I think it's something that people forget, that people, it's easy being at the top, actually, in that group where you sort of know everything that's happening. But put yourself in the position of someone in the organisation who doesn't have access to that same information. You have to communicate it. You can't assume people know. They can't just mind read. So you have to have a continual communication to engage those people. Yeah. And to reassure them and to motivate them and all of the good things. But, you know, it's, it's as much about motivating for them to sort of um, work with you to develop and, and sort of achieve that vision more than anything else really yeah and communications is a two-way process it's not just you telling them how it is it's opening up a dialogue so that you, know, you get the feedback you know fine yeah. saying we're going to do x y and z when Fred down on the shop floor knows that, well, that won't work because, well, you want Fred on the shop floor to tell you that that won't work because he goes, yeah, he's got a serious point there. Well, let's, let's be honest. This is for me, I think one of the biggest things that you can do when you're communicating is listen. Yeah. You know, that, that for me is probably one of the most critical skills because people feeling heard and seen does so much for their own feeling of worthiness in an organisation. Um, and not enough people, I think, listen actively. And that is one of the most important skills in communicating. Oh. That it's about listening to other people's views, listening to what they think. And um, there's a little technique, actually, I was sharing with one of my mentees the other day, which is around authentic relating. Um, and it's only a small thing I'm going to share, but... It's, it's almost an exercise where you do actively and consciously listen to someone for a couple of minutes and almost replay back to them what you've heard. Yeah. Even if that doesn't happen in practice, if your mind is saying, what happens if someone asks me in two minutes' time what I've been listening to? It's a very good tip for thinking, am I listening properly? Mm. And... I remember years ago doing a, a process consulting course with Coopers and Librand, probably the best piece of training I've ever been on. We spent, we spent an entire week on this course and literally that week was communicating, but it was communicating generally on a one-to-one -one basis. So you were, you were learning how to actively listen and how not just actively listen, but ask the right questions to get more information. So what you've just said there about listening and playing back, absolutely. But we were, we were taught to listen and, to, and know how to ask the open question against one of the hooks that you just heard, which might be, oh, tell me some more about that. Or, oh, why do you think that is? And then that play back probably came three or four questions down the road where you'd say, so, okay, so, 
I've been listening to what 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 you've been saying. I think can I, can I just check that it's this this and this, and that in itself might get the the other person to say yes, that's right. Oh, and there's that I forgot to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's that's a good way as well. I think as long as you're not formulating the question while you're still listening. Yeah. Otherwise, you're thinking again about what am I going to ask next, uh, but not am I consciously listening to the other person? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the other tendency in that sort of conversation is to jump into solution mode. Yeah. If somebody tells you whatever and you think, oh, have you tried? No, 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 no. Don't say that. Mm. You can ask them more about the problem. And rather than jumping into a solution, maybe you you could you know, do a little bit of storytelling about where else you've seen something similar and explore whether it's like that or whether it's different from that. So, yeah. Right, yeah. Certainly, I mean, listening, you know, particularly, I mean, it makes people feel recognised. Yeah. Valued. And you know, this is why I also make a connection to sort of, you know, just well-being in, in, a, in, a, in an environment because... The more you do that, the more worthy people feel and the more recognised they feel. And that has a direct impact on how they perform and how they operate. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Now, Catherine, just, just observing ourselves here communicating, you, you're explaining things and you went into a story about a conversation with a mentor. Um. I was listening and hearing what you were saying, thinking about that exercise you did. And then I gave a story about what happened on a course. Well, storytelling, that is a huge, huge part of communication. Yeah, it is. Why is it so powerful? Well, I think, I think it brings, <laughs> it moves it from the slightly more general sort of concepts into something real. Yeah. Something that people can relate to. So, in fact, in an ideal world, we'd all be using storytelling a lot more because it, it really brings to life the narrative of what you're saying and why. And, and you mentioned the word hook earlier, but it's about someone being able to tune in to why that yeah. is important. Um, and, you know, people absorb information in different ways. I mean, that's also part of communicating the storytelling. You know, who is your audience and, and, and what are they going to take away from this exchange? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at the heart of storytelling is who is the audience, you know, and what information mm. do they need? Yeah. Um, I, I think there's something, people, people remember stories and people relate to stories. You hear a story because it's about a specific situation. There's, there's kind of a mental trigger going on and say, oh, I remember a situation like that. And you automatically get people relating to, to what you're talking about. Yeah. I think those relevant stories are hugely powerful. I mean, I did an online conference recently, well, a couple, and in fact, they were primarily focused on the stories of the speakers. Yeah. So they were obviously geared and themed towards what the theme was about, and that's important. It's got to be relevant storytelling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'd all go off at tangents. Sort of, yeah. you know, it'll all be about us rather than actually the audience. You know, you've got to yeah. get that balance right. But it was extremely powerful yeah, putting their stories forward. And for me as well, it showed a vulnerability. And, you know, vulnerability creates connection. 
you know, there's, there's a beautiful sort of uh, TED talk by Brené Brown on, I think it's called The Art of Vulnerability. Um, but it's around showing that, showing that bit of vulnerability and showing, you know, people that you've also got a story and you may have also, you know, had this particular thing going on is part of that connection. Yeah. And I think people generally relate to others that they know a little bit more about. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, if you make yourself that little bit vulnerable, people will connect with that. People will feel they know you better and people will be keener to work with you. And I don't know about you, but I think that's that for me is growing, you know, as the years pass by. I think there was a time when that wasn't welcomed almost. It wasn't almost the thing to do, to be more vulnerable mm. and open. You know, <laughs> I, I love the situation now that we're all in each other's living rooms or, or spare bedrooms, you know, in terms of yeah. Zoom, because it seems to have opened up um, something that wasn't there before. Yeah, I was talking to Rus Russell Thackeray a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about exactly that. That there's there's one organisation he's working with that the, the 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 team almost know the kids of the team members as well as the team members themselves because they're they they're showing up on video calls all the time and it's 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 welcomed rather than frowned upon. Exactly, and and I think when I look back over the years, you know, we all slightly had an attitude of let's just get on with things and. You know, things may have been going well in personal lives that we didn't bring into work. It was sort of all kept away. But um, I, I do think it's important to get to know people better. Yeah. Because you have far more understanding then of where each person is at. And, mm. and given leadership or management is around managing individuals, not, not a group, you know, everyone is different. You've got to understand each of those people to be able to do the best job you can and to support them in their journey. I think that's absolutely, absolutely spot on, Catherine. And so soft skills, we've, we've talked a fair bit there about communication. Now, just talking about it on a podcast, we're, we're just sort of touching the surface. How would you, if you, if you want to go deeper into this subject, how, how would you go about doing it? Well, I think, I mean, there are, you know, I mean, even at Grow CFO, we're running a session on soft skills, which goes a little bit deeper across different parts of the soft skills. Um, but really, it does start with yourself. So, you know, you've got to do a bit of self-reflection here. Mm. And given how important we said soft skills were at the beginning, you know, they can make or break your career. Um, yeah. You've got to, A, acknowledge their importance. I think, secondly, do quite a lot of self-reflection. You know, how good am I at this? Mm. Really, how good am I at it? Not just, I think I'm okay at that. You've, you've got to be heading towards excellent, <laughs> excellent yeah. uh, across a number of soft skills. So a really good sort of self-reflection, some inner work on what do I need to work on? Now, secondly to that, I think it's about observing others. So look around you. I use the word observation quite a lot, but look around you. You know, who do you admire? What qualities yeah. do you admire in others? You know, who's performing in a way that actually is a really good role model and you can emulate in some way? Mm -hmm. Equally, who is not operating as a good role model? Who is not showing good, <laughs> good qualities in, in maybe leadership or management? Um, and where would you be different in that? 
because we want to make sure that people don't become a carbon copy of someone else, but you can yeah. observe and watch the traits of others. Um, and then it's about practicing. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a, a good soft skill is a bit like a habit and it yes. takes practice. A lot of practice. A lot yeah. of practice. Yeah, and, and I'm, going, I'm going back to that Coopers and Lybrand course. You know, what they taught us was actually very simple. And I could tell you what it is in 10 minutes, but it was the week practicing it. Mm. And that course did have a notorious reputation because you were talking and not really talking work things. You were probing lots of personal stuff, but it was the course that had the reputation for lots of people resigning because they realized they were doing the wrong job or wanted to go and do something different. Or, you know, they found out the meaning of life during the five days on the course yeah, it's, um, I mean, I had to say, I mean, that you have a choice, I think, I believe you have a choice. It's, you know, most of the people that we're working with are heading towards some form of leadership position. Yeah. Or, you know, and, you know, you can choose to lead, as people have done in the past, or, you know, from a position of not having the best soft skills, or you can make a conscious and active choice to be the best leader you can be. And, you know, if I was to define that, then it's about leading with compassion, mm. leading in a clear but direct way. We're not talking like soft as in soft. <laughs> We're talking about understanding the impact of your behaviour on others. Yeah. So, Catherine, I know you're a great mentor. So where does the role of as a, as a mentor fit into developing somebody else's soft skills? Well, again, it always starts with self-awareness. So... I mean, I always work on a very personalised level with people. So, you know, it's not some kind of general, you need to get better at this, you need to get better at that. It's about taking particular scenarios or situations that someone is currently in and supporting them through that. Um, and understanding, you know, what leader they wish to become and looking at where possibly their gaps are at the moment, actually feeling successful in that position and some people are very very self you know observant in that they can sort of see that they are missing some of the parts that will allow them to lead in the way they wish to lead in so that could be connected with maybe confidence or, or self-esteem um, or it could be um, not feeling they have the right level of influence mm. um, within a team or, or within a sort of peer group um, so it's about taking particular scenarios and just working through it and also identifying what obstacles, you know, maybe past beliefs that are actually sticking, they've become a sticking point to you getting through to that leadership position and feeling successful. Mm. And I can definitely see the role of a mentor in this area. And for, for certainly for me personally, I'm probably the last person to realize in the soft skills area, what my own shortcomings are. Mm -hmm. Therefore having somebody else that can point that out, that can help me through things that we can bounce off. Of, how do you handle this particular situation would be incredibly useful. I think no, hard skills, as I said earlier, you can go, you can Google a lot of stuff. You can read it in the textbook. Soft skills are, are so much more difficult than that. And I, I think having that mentor-mentee relationship is something that's 
that's really worthwhile if you want to get this area sorted out? I mean, you know, when I choose to work with someone, I become their biggest supporter. You know, the, the, the goal I have for them is for them to reach whatever potential they want to reach. I mean, that, that's, what, that's why I work. That's why I do it. Um, yeah. So what comes with that is, it, is a degree of honesty. Um, an honesty in, I'm not just going to sit back and just say yes to everything. It's more about, you know, this is to move someone forward from where they are now to a future point that they wish to be in. So, you know, I do take a very sort of open and honest approach to that. Um, and, I, and I will give feedback on that basis because this is about moving forwards. Yeah. And, 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 you know, not everyone is honest. You know, people get a lot of good feedback, but then they don't feel successful. It, the, the two don't quite go hand in hand. Yeah. And you know, when, when you're in that CFO role, it is to some extent a lonely place and we're talking tricky things like business change there is no one right way to do things there are always a, a bunch of alternatives like oh what would happen if i went down this path would people follow me or would they follow me better if i went down this other path now, having that mentor relationship where you can look at this so one step removed from the organization with experience of having done it somewhere before, I can see that being really powerful in helping the CFO think through the alternatives and the what ifs before making a decision. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, again, where sort of mentoring comes in, you know, to find that sort of um, clarity or rational thinking when you're dealing with for example a big business change project or any kind of change that the best thing you can do for yourself is to have the clearest mind possible yes and you know that starts from a position of you know being in a calm place so you know there might be a lot going on you know we know the classic problems at the moment people are really busy it's very hard to focus when you're that busy you might feel quite stressed and overwhelmed um so really as a starting point, it's about looking at, you know, where people are focusing their attention, um, how you get out of that slightly fight or flight mindset, because that really, really narrows your focus. So it's about, you know, bringing in, you know, even things around well-being to ensure that people have a very clear head, because that's where it starts from. Leadership in a way starts from yourself. And getting yourself in the best place and in the calmest mindset to give that clarity to others. Yeah. And then you can lead, you know, with that clearness, with that direction. You can set clear goals. Um, and then it becomes a very collective team effort to come together and achieve together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think one thing that'd be, be interesting to explore, and we're drawing towards the close of this particular conversation, Catherine, but the thing that's just gone through my mind at the moment is, is kind of communicating with the team and then handling objections. Mm. Now, I'm just thinking about personal experience. Where I, I remember we were doing a, a zero-based budgeting session on a, a pair of coal-fired power stations that were next to each other. And we were doing lots of communication sessions with the budget holders on, on both of the stations. Um, station A, we got a lot of nodding heads and agreeing and sage-wise looks to think, yeah, okay, we understand what you want and all the rest of it. 
Then we went to station B and we got a whole load of pushback. Oh, we can't do this at the moment. We're in the middle of doing this big shutdown of the station for maintenance. We've got to have the station back up at the given date. You're asking us to do this during all of these other deadlines. Oh, look, there's all this uncertainty over here because we're upgrading this unit and we can't possibly work out a zero-based budget for that because we've got nothing to base the costs on. Um, And that felt really uncomfortable. And there was a bit of tension in the room. But in actual fact, what we discovered three, three or four weeks later, when we were actually looking for these people to deliver on the budgets. Now, the problems on each station turned out to be the same. They all had the same pressures, the same things getting in the way. Station A that had told us it was all nice and easy, or really didn't give us any feedback at all, and we had the comfortable conversation with, well, the ones we're now having the difficult conversation with as to, we asked you for this four weeks ago, where is it? Whereas station B, we're having the, oh, thank you very much for managing to, to balance everything and get us what we wanted. The objections felt uncomfortable, but the objections were coming out because they'd actually listened and they're working through the problems of doing what we'd asked for. (laughs) The thing is with that, if if you can get yourself in a place of calmness, you then, if you've got objections, if you've got different opinions coming back, you'll be in a much better place to listen and absorb if you're already in a calm place, in a a non-reactive state. And then, you know, that's when you start to see potentially the strengths also in someone else's argument. Yeah. You know, communication is definitely two way. If we shut ourselves off to not hearing others' viewpoints as well, we're not getting a full picture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not necessarily going to come together for the right result. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think having having that little amount of challenge, that little amount of of tension there actually says you are communicating in the right way. So don't necessarily think that you're doing a bad job if you're getting that that feedback. If you're not getting that feedback, I'd be worried. (laughs) And it all connects through to, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have to think what behaviours do you value for yourself and therefore you know, what, what, what behaviours actually really make you the most productive, make you work at your best, um, and therefore replicating those behaviours for others? Yeah. Bad behaviours, in my view, have become too normalised in some environments. And mm-hmm. yes, people work because they have to, because you make them, but that is not the same as people working because they want to. And a slightly more happy environment actually generates more motivation and productivity, which let's be honest, we're talking in the finance world here, does generate yeah. more financial value and outcome. Well, you hope it does. I believe it does. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, that has been fascinating. I know we've, we've literally just scraped the surface on soft skills and there's a, a stack more in the Learning Centre and Grow CFO. There are a lot of modules that you can delve into if you want to find out more in detail about we've only touched communication that's only one of a whole series of soft skills you can go and find out more about and Catherine is available through Grow CFO as a mentor if that's something that the conversation this morning's tempted you into come along to Grow CFO and there's there's places within Grow CFO that you can get in touch with Catherine have a 
a more detailed conversation about what that might be about. So, Catherine, thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thank you.